You are listening to Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community from all over the world. And today's episode is definitely an international one for you today. So we should definitely say good day, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Telephone number to join the public WhatsApp group, or you just want to send a text message or get in touch with the show, one two four zero six eight one. Nine eight six nine. That number again, one two four zero six eight one nine eight six nine. Aaron's opinion six at gmail.com. A A R O N S O P I N I O N six at gmail.com. Follow on Twitter and Facebook. Comment below on YouTube. We're getting a lot of great great results and a lot of uh, a lot of great appreciation from the YouTube community these days. I really appreciate that. Um, and of course, even consider becoming a patron, a patron on my Patreon page, as we say. Well, okay, let's get in to today's guest. As you might have guessed, by the way, I gave you a little clue there with G'day. Today's guest comes to us all the way from Australia, all the way down under. We were so glad to get to connect with Mel's Blind Life. And of course, Mel's Blind Life would not have been able to come to Aaron's opinion, and I certainly would never have known of Mel's Blind Life without our great friend in the community, not Radwell Mednini, but of course, whose blind life is it anyway, and Victor Gouveia. Thank you, Victor Gouveia. I really appreciate you helping me to get connected and to make uh, you know, communication and a good contact here with Mel's Blind Life. Well, as Mel will tell you, um, she's a woman from Australia. She has a guide dog. She's a teacher. And she has a lot of fascinating and endearing stories to tell you. We had a lot of laughs during this episode. Mel was um, Mel was a little shy at first, but she had to kind of get used to it, as all guests do. And then, and then she really got a lot out of it. Actually, today's episode for you will go will go a little bit over your hour. So. You know, I, I should let you know of that. You guys are used to this one hour. Well, technically speaking, you're used to a, a episode that goes over an hour a little bit because counting the intro and outro. But of course, today's episode definitely goes over an hour. The interview itself goes over an hour because we had so much to say. So I do try to keep it to an hour. But you know what? If the guest, you know, if we just naturally, you know, sneak over the clock a little bit, that's OK, too, once in a while. All right. Well, what should we call this one today? Well, of course, uh, I always like to say Mel wanted me to be sure, and I always do this. I just want to clarify. I always tell you when I record the episode so that you can put it into perspective because I know that this episode is coming out for you in May. It's the month of May when you're listening to this. Um, the uh, I believe um, I have to check the chart here, the calendar, but I think this is the episode for the 26th of May, 2022. But as a matter of fact, as I say in the podcast business, the following episode of Aaron's Opinion was recorded on the 24th of November at 2000 New York. Ironically, Mel, from Mel's perspective, it was the 25th of November at 1200 hours in Australia. All right. And you'll hear why um, I chose this title very quickly. But let's call this episode, I Put My Finger in Mel's Dinner. And now, let's put Mel on. Let's hear from Mel's Blind Life. So, thanks so much, everybody. This is I Put My Finger in Mel's Dinner. It's Thursday. It's 12 o'clock. It's time for Aaron's Opinion on Life Improvement Radio. 
on the Helium Radio Network. Well, Mel, uh, Mel's Blind Life. I want to take this time um, to just, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on a Thursday afternoon down under over there in Australia. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, for one thing, I just have to say, I really appreciate you joining me so quickly. Um, you don't know me at all. Um, I usually don't ask this question at first, but have you ever heard of Aaron's opinion? Have you had a chance to go over any of my content? Um, I hadn't really actually heard of your channel. Um, I think when I first started working with Big Dougal Bayer over at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway, Indeed. he did mention that you wanted to do an interview with me. Okay. Um, and then I hadn't really chased it up. And then when you messaged me, I was like, mm, yes, I should check this guy's content out. Sure, sure. So I've had a brief look over. And, sure, Mel. Um, well, let me, let me just, let me just in, in, in introduce my, because it can be very sudden and very confusing. All these podcasters all over the world. Well, my name's Aaron Richmond. I was, I'm 30 years old. I'm an American guy living in the universe. And I was born with glaucoma um, along with a congenital heart defect. And my academics are in international affairs. I'm a teacher by trade and a podcaster and content creator uh, any other time of the day. I was listening to podcasts in the blindness community and I felt that they just were not open enough to having guests. So I created Aaron's Opinion so that everyone around the world, whether you're in Australia or whatever country you're in, can come up here and share your story of your life, blindness, whatever you want to talk about. So that's basically the roots of how I developed Aaron's Opinion. And along the way, I've been interviewed by Victor Gouveia and interviewed Victor Gouveia. So he's a great friend. Whose Blind Life is that anyway? Crediting, I'm crediting them for introducing Mel's Blind Life to me. So thank you. So Mel, usually the question I start off with, but I felt that that was actually a, a very appropriate introduction given the, the circumstances. But anyway, mm. who is Mel? How did you become blind? And who is Mel's Blind Life? <laughs> so Mel is a... Uh, nearly 28, be 28 next February, uh, year old woman from Australia. Um, Mel is a teacher also by trade. I've got my certificate three in education support and I'm currently attending university online doing my Bachelor of Education, looking at uh, majoring in secondary education, teaching probably English and legal studies or something like that. Um, I also, uh, I, I have my finger in a lot of pies. I'm also um, <laughs> a YouTube content creator and most of my YouTube stuff that I do across on Mel's Blind Life is really about my life as someone who is blind. Um, I do stuff with my guide dog Penelope. Um, before that, I did videos upon my guide dog Darcy, um, who is no longer with us anymore. Um, I do videos about my horse Maggie and how I look after her as a blind person and about how I travel and, and look after my harem and everything like that. Um, so that's really Mel and, and Mel's blind life. And then as for my vision um, loss, I have a condition called Rodcone dystrophy, um, which is a genetic condi 
condition, which is also degenerative. So my um, maternal grandmother, my mother, my mum's younger sister, so my aunt and myself all have Rodocone dystrophy. We were all born with low vision. Um, mine was when it was most functional when I was a child was probably about 5% of normal vision. Um, and then basically once we hit sort of puberty time um, is when the big drop in vision begins to occur. And so I have been totally blind now since, I, I can't really put my finger on an exact sort of time because it happens so slowly, but I've probably been totally blind now for probably, I don't know, two or three years maybe. Um, and so my, my mother is also totally blind and my father is vision impaired, but he has a different um, vision loss condition. He's got a, a corneal dystrophy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I loved that adorable um, Australian expression that you used. <laughs> my finger is in many pies. That's, that is, that is, <laughs> That's that's adorable. Up up over around here, up over we say, um, I wear many hats, or we say I have a I have many sticks in the fire. But apparently in Australia you just have to stick your finger in pies. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> well, we like meat pies down here. I, I love that expression. That's that's adorable. My finger is in the pie. Oh, that's adorable. But yes, um, I, that's, I that's do speak expression. very Australian. You're welcome to speak. Oh, I love. Oh, I love. Oh, I love hearing. You know, your your beautiful Australian English. Definitely, sure, sure. So, and also too, I'm a huge guide dog supporter um, because I also had a guide dog named Nani um, who also passed away in 2020. Um, yeah. So I'm a huge, huge supporter of blind people having guide dogs from, you know, reputable organizations and, and things like mm. that. So, yeah. So what made you, um, what, what made you want to get into guide dogs? I think that's a really important topic. So for me, um, for me, getting a guide dog was basically the next step up the up the ladder, really. You know, it's sort of like all my sighted peers, you know, used to ride their bikes to school and then they got their driver's license and they could drive a car. So for me, um, learning to use a cane when I needed to when I was about 14 was like getting my driver, my learner's license and getting my guide dog when I was nearly 19 was sort of like the next step up the ladder and, and getting my own car. Um, so my, um, my mother and my auntie both had, um, guide dogs while I was growing up. Um, we had, um, so I, I was exposed to guide dogs right from the beginning. Um, I, there's photographs, some of the earliest photographs of me, are me when I was about four or five months old. Um, sitting on the mat with mum's dog at the time and then you know when I was about 18 months old mum got a new dog and I used to chase the dog around the room at the at the guide dog school when I used to go in and visit so really for me guide dog mobility was the next step um, I saw how it assisted my aunt and my mum um, to do the things that they want to do. You know, we live in a country town and with 
her dog mum used to travel down to the city for work every day when I was growing up it was a you know a 12-hour day for her she used to leave home at seven o'clock in the morning and not get to work until nine o'clock in the morning and then she'd leave work at five and not be home until about seven in the evening so you know it was just the next step really for me um I always wanted it and I was very lucky to um to get a guide dog um literally as soon as I finished school so it was just it was yeah like I said it was just the next step and it was um what I always wanted really Wonderful, wonderful. So yeah, what can you tell me about the guide dog schools in Australia? And more importantly, what can you tell me about, you know, the Australian culture around guide dogs and things like that? How do they approach that? So um, first of all, our, we have two sort of major guide dog schools in Australia. We have um, Guide Dogs um, Australia, which um, have sort of campuses in New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia and Queensland. Um, and then we have Seeing Eye Dogs Australia who are um, mainly, I think, in Victoria and Queensland. Um, there is other guide dog organisations such as Guide Dogs Tasmania and Guide Dogs Western Australia. Um, but you know, Guide Dogs Australia and Guide and um, Seeing Eye Dogs are the two main ones. Um, I personally get my um, services from Guide Dogs Victoria, um, who are part of the um, Guide Dogs Australia body. So down here, we use um, sort of a mixture of positive reinforcement, um, you know, new school and old school training methods, really. Um, as for the, the sort of attitude towards guide dogs I think it's quite the same as everywhere really um you know you get your people who know nothing and who try and grab the dog and and lead it so because they think that's going to help you find your way we have people who refuse you know at restaurants and taxis we we have mm -hmm. refusals we have um people who are really great and who see the dog working and you know parents with their children saying oh that's a guide dog and it's helping the lady and we don't touch it and so we're really like anywhere else we really have quite a diverse kind of attitude to guide dogs um I think from the blindness um community perspective I think um there's you know, there's quite a lot of guide dog handlers that, you know, they they have their dogs and, and they use them to achieve, you know, what they want to achieve. There are some people who feel as though they wouldn't be able to achieve what they do without a dog. Um, there are people like me who, like I said before, it was just sort of the ne next natural step. And, you know, I, I could do it without a dog, but I've choose not to um and yeah so it's, it's really quite a diverse attitude i think to guide dogs in australia mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sounds like the attitude in the united states too um yeah we have schools all over the country but you're right though guide dog discrimination is still um an, on, an ongoing issue 
And I, I and I think that in my opinion, I don't think that um, it's being appropriately addressed. I don't think, you know, enough people are speaking up appropriately mm. to solve the problem. So, you know, I it's a problem that we need to solve together all over the world. Mm. But until enough people speak up appropriately, it will just continue to kind of just always a problem that sort of hovers around. But mm. yeah, and then, okay, good, good. And so... Now, tell me more about your interest in education. Um, yeah, I, I don't know really. Like I, I sort of always, like all through school, I said I was going to be a teacher, um, especially through high school when I met some really great, you know, I had some really great teachers, um, especially in high school and some teachers' aides who were absolutely fantastic and who um, sort of let me, you know, really helped me um, with my education and stuff. And I think, I don't know, I just sort of naturally just slipped into it and I did my certificate at um, TAFE. I don't know what the American equivalent to that would be. It's like, it's not university, but it's like your after school study sort of thing. I don't know what you would call it over there, um, but it's, you know, your tertiary qualification. Um so I, I did that and I got a job. Um, I was working at a school which has since shut down um, for blind and vision impaired kids um, and I really loved that. I then, you know, I went on to try and develop a business in a regional town teaching Braille and assistive technology, which didn't quite work out. Um, and now I'm back volunteering at a program um, for blind and vision impaired children um, who are in mainstream schools, but they come to our program because um, our program is basically, well, it's called support skills. And our program is basically helping the vision impaired students who are in mainstream education settings with their blind skills so with their use of assistive technology um with reading braille and all of that sort of thing so yeah I don't know I think I just sort of naturally you know slipped into it and I really love it I really enjoy it it's so good it's so good so how how would you describe you know the way that the schools and the education system is set up in Australia in other words what is the Australian philosophy behind education? And then how does that apply and affect to blind children in, in the school system in Australia? Um, I, I don't really know about the Australian philosophy as such. Um, but with our blind and vision impaired students, we just want them to be able to keep up and we just want them to be able to, you know, to be as successful as they can, you know, and we're really we're really dedicated, especially in the program that I work at, to um, to making sure that our kids can keep up. You know, um, the the education system, you know, tries to have, you know, teach kids to be critical thinkers, to be able to work as a as a group or as an individual, um, and to really just be um, able to sort of take the next step when it comes to um sort of university or whatever they want to do and and make them capable of doing that and that's what we do um with our 
program. So we have, um, not only do we have our program for children between um, year four and year 10, um, but we also have um, people called visiting teachers and they are um, teachers who are skilled in the vision impaired um, and blind kind of arena and they go to a, um, a student school maybe once a week or once every two weeks or something like that and they help the school and the student with um, accessibility and their education so you know one of the things that a visiting teacher might do is go and talk to the teachers who are teaching that um, blind student and say you know have you got any problems teaching something say in mathematics and or you know just trying to make sure that um that the teachers can make things as accessible as they can um, so we have that we also have access to specialist um, equipment such as um, laptops with uh, screen readers and stuff like that that we can send out to the kids um, so yeah we really try quite hard to make sure that our vision impaired students can keep up with their sighted peers Excellent. That's that's really good to hear. So mm. in in Australia right now, um, do you think what what percentage of these visually impaired students are, you know, attending university? Um, um, do I don't actually know the numbers. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think like out of my sort of direct friendship group, um, I think probably maybe half of my friends have gone to either university or TAFE and done uh, tertiary education, um, maybe even more than half. I'd, I would say, I would say out of the, out of my friendship group, I would say probably, yeah, about two thirds of them have gone to, to tertiary education, but employment itself is quite low um mm -hmm. for, for blind people i think at the moment it's only 30 percent of people who are blind or have low vision are employed um even if they've been through tertiary education yeah yeah that's how it is here in the states too i that's a little frustrating i was hoping i guess i got my hopes of i was hoping that uh, Australia would have better, you know, that you would say that there were more, it was easier to be employed there, but maybe not, apparently not. No. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but that's how it is in the States too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really sad. Like, you know, I've, I've only technically had one paid job in my life and that was at the school, which no longer exists. Um, and I was only hired on a casual basis and I probably only got paid for about three hours worth of work every week. So, um, you know, all of my other work that I'm doing at the support skills program at the moment and everything else, um, apart from the sort of one or two clients I had while I was trying to do my technology and braille training business, everything else that I've done has been um, unpaid work because people just, I don't know whether it's that, they don't have the budget to pay or whether they don't want like you know don't have the 
resources or whether they need someone who's got more experienced I don't know but yeah it's it's really hard to um to get a job <laughs> mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's really not good because it, it affects you know blind people's self-esteem and oh. I see so many frustrated posts all over the blindness community that this you know for many this unemployment thing, it really has an effect on the psyche of those who are blind. It really affects the entire blind population, I think. Yeah, it does. And look, you know, we're lucky in Australia because we have um, the disability pension, the disability support mm -hmm. pension. So um, we blind people um, can apply for that and go on to that when you're 16. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not a lot of money, but it's certainly um, not, better than nothing. Um, and so we're lucky because we've got that sort of to fall back on. But um, yeah, it, we, we certainly, um, need to have jobs <laughs> as well. Without doubt, without doubt. And we also have the same problem in the States too. We have, it's not called pension, it's called social security, but we also have that. Mm. And now we have a big problem because a lot of people get onto that system and then they won't work and then they refuse to work or then there's people that are on it that can work and then a, lo a lot of people take advantage of that system. So that, that system is very problematic. Um, in a yeah. lot in a lot of ways yeah do you think there's people in Australia that take advantage of the of the pension um I don't think so because I don't think there's there isn't enough money in the pension to take advantage of it um I guess. if that makes sense yes it does it so does. for mm -hmm. some for someone like myself who's unemployed and it's you know it's only a certain amount of money a, a fortnight and you've got to make it you know work um so you you can't really afford to take advantage of it because then you'd be broke um and i've you know i've been there so yeah i i know what that's like <laughs> right 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 so then what was your motivation and, and inspiration really to get into youtube um so i probably about 2015-14 um, I was really into Tommy Edison um, and some other big YouTubers who back then I really enjoyed watching um, and all of them were in North America and I was like come on guys someone's got to fly the Aussie flag here and so I decided to do that myself um, and and to fly the Aussie flag myself but it took me probably until 2018 um I've, in 2015 when I decided to do it I recorded a whole heap of videos but I just never published them um and then yeah in 2018 I thought right I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I started up the channel my first videos are appalling <laughs> Um, they're really not very good, but yeah, I've sort of been growing it since early 2018 
I've got 530 subscribers now, which isn't quite as big as I was hoping it would be by now. But yeah, it's 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 really good. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm. YouTube takes a while to catch on. Um, and mm. But what you have to do is just be consistent and produce content that you take ownership of and people secretly notice over a period of time. Um, yeah. But, but I agree. I think it's very difficult on YouTube to get noticed. I think that everybody is YouTubing. Everybody has a YouTube. So, yes. you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's very, yes. very competitive. So, um, I mean, have you guested or collabed with just other Australian YouTubers in general? Like, not necessarily blind ones, but just have you collaborated with any of the other um, Australian um, content creators? Yeah, none none that are really huge. I, I have a friend who I went to school with, um, and she, for a little while, was doing a mummy vlog, um, you know, mummy and, and house you know, that sort of family vloggy type thing. Um, and she actually got up to, oh, I can't be sure, but about 1,100 maybe um, subscribers. And so we did a collab on, uh, on her channel probably about, goodness me, it would have been probably at least three years ago. It was just when I was starting. Um, I've got another friend uh, who has a channel that's, smaller than mine um and her and I go on uh we've been on a cruise together and and we spend a bit of time together um so we've done a couple of videos together but I haven't I I haven't done a lot of collabs mainly because they're hard to organize and with the thing that's been going around it's hard to get out and mm -hmm. and see people and stuff but I've got some ideas for some collaborations that I want to do with some people uh, in the future. So hopefully that'll work out and um, yeah, I'll be able to start growing. Sure. Sure. And you've mentioned travel before. Um, so I've traveled all over the world. I've never been to Australia, but I've traveled all over. Um, so where have you traveled to outside of Australia? Um, so I went on to cruises to the South Pacific when I was um, uh, nine and ten. I went to the uh, sort of um, Pacific Islands. And then when I was, uh, when I was t 19, um, I went in 2013, I went on a five-day trip to Tokyo, Japan uh, for blind tennis because I was playing tennis at the time. Um, and then I've done 2018 and 2020, I did um, a couple of two-week cruises to New Zealand out of Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So I've done, I've done a little bit, but um, I haven't... The only time I ever flew anywhere was when I went to, um, when I went to Tokyo, and the only um, the other four cruises were all, you know, from Melbourne coming back to Melbourne, so I didn't have to, you know, fly anywhere for those. 
Sure. Yeah, I've been to England. Um, I did a study abroad semester in, in Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, I also speak French. I'm a French speaker, so I've been to France several times. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I've been to Netherlands, Amsterdam, great place. Germany, mm-hmm. um, Austria um, are both very interesting countries, but um, in those, especially in Austria, they don't really like speaking English and they don't really, they don't really speak French. So it's a little mm-hmm. hard in Austria, but uh, mm-hmm. Poland, Czech Republic, a couple other places around the world, um, Swaziland um, in Southern Africa. And I've been to one of the places in the Caribbean too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think traveling is really important. And the other hobby that you have is blind tennis. Um, and of course, this is something that has not really is not really well known in the states, but I've heard of it. So, why don't you tell us more about how you got into blind tennis? Um, I always really loved tennis. I'm a huge tennis. Um, I'm a huge tennis fan. Uh, I when I was in about year seven. Um, just before I started losing my vision, I started taking tennis lessons with a friend of mine and her dad, who were, um, you know, who loved, who were both tennis players. Um, but it didn't quite work out because I couldn't see the ball. <laughs> I thought I might have been able to, but I couldn't. Um, so that didn't go too well. And then I was actually at. Um, at a program at the support skills program which I used to be a student of and now I work at um and in a PE lesson one day our teacher was like um she had a a brochure for blind tennis um because they were just looking at starting and there was a come and try day and so I thought oh this is gonna solve my problem of not being able to see the ball so (laughs) Um, I went along to that and that was at the end of 2009 and I played consistently probably for three or four years Um, and then I played on and off uh, for the next sort of three years and then when I moved um, away four years ago I stopped playing um, because I was living miles away Uh, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to maybe get back into it next year. Mm-hmm. So basically, what what has been the biggest, you know, the most prestigious blind tennis competition you've competed in? How I've um, never competed. Oh, so you've never you've never competed like on the circuit. No. You've just you just play in yeah. with friends or you know around your yeah. community. That's great. Yeah, because it's such a new thing. Um, when I was playing, they weren't having any competitions. I think they've had a couple since I stopped playing. Um, but yeah, no, we weren't quite up to competing yet when I was playing. Yeah, because now they definitely have um, uh, have competitions for that. That's that's so good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I never really got into sports. Um, my parents just weren't really into it. And I was never one to be inclined in that. But mm. I think that a lot, I think that the majority of blind people are not playing blind tennis or things like that. So that's, mm. that's really important. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. you can get back into it and, and get more games and start to get mm. into, uh, maybe start to get a little bit more competitive, but who knows? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you yeah. Yes. There's a lot more blind sort of sport here 
you know, we have um, people play goalball, which was actually in Tokyo Olympics, which is pretty exciting to have a, a sport specifically for the blind in the Olympics. Um, and, of course, being Australian, blind cricket is a big thing. Um, but there's a lot of blind cricket teams all over the country. And um, we do have a national team who have gone to, you know, England and, and places. So blind cricket's a big one here as well. Good, 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 good. Yes, cricket for American people is, for people who never heard, it's, it's similar to baseball-ish. I mean, I've played it before. It's sort of like a... It's nothing like baseball. Okay, nothing like. Okay, nothing like. <laughs> the nothing only like similarity between baseball is that you have a stick and you hit the right. ball. With yeah, the there's a vague similarity. A vague similarity. <laughs> but most Americans have never heard of cricket, really. Cricket has never I didn't been a... think about that. I forgot that most people haven't heard of America. Yeah, most because most people who are not from Australia, um, Asia, or England, or or the you know British colonies have never really mm. certain sports. Yeah, it's always, a very British thing. I mean, certain sports cricket. just didn't catch on in certain parts of the world. Cricket's one of them. Mm. Um, but yes, how how would you explain blind cricket? Mm -hmm. um so <clears throat> blind so cricket you have a pitch which is like a long flat surface and at either end of the long flat surface which is actually quite a narrow long flat surface you have a set of stumps at either end and the stumps are three um vertical poles with a horizontal pole above like along the top and they are only about oh i think they're about a meter tall and then or maybe less than that i can't remember exactly and then you have um two people one person at either end with a bat and a person kneels behind the stumps and they're called the wicket keeper and it's their job to sort of catch the ball if it comes to them and then you have a bowler who runs up the pitch, throws the ball, and the batsman hits the ball. And then there's fielders dotted around everywhere, which is, I guess, a little bit like baseball. And they try and catch the ball when the um, batsman has hit it. And then the batsman has to run from one end of the pitch to the other while the fielders are catching the ball and sending it back to the bowler, basically. And you can yeah. go out by having the ball caught and you can be run out by the, the batsman can be run out by the bowler. The wicketkeeper can catch the ball. Um, so yeah, there's different ways that you can get out as well. And you have 11 people on each team and you have uh, two batsmen at a time in uh, sighted cricket you hit you throw the ball over arm so it goes along through the air um, from the bowler yeah. to the batsman um and then in blind cricket you roll it along sort of like you would roll a you know how you roll a bowling ball in 10 pin bowling that's how you would roll a cricket ball down the pitch so that the blind um batsman can hear it coming right sure 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 okay. sure 
Yeah, yeah I, I actually played it when I was in uh, when I was in Lu- when I was in Lucia, when I was in St. Mm-hmm. Lucia in the Caribbean. They play it all over the Caribbean. It's a very popular yes. sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that's that's good. And then you also play uh, table tennis, right? Yeah. So I play um, vision impaired table tennis, which is called Swish. And it is quite similar to normal table tennis. Um, we have a, our ball runs, rolls along the tabletop. Um, so unlike um, sighted table tennis, where the net is, you know, down on the tabletop, our net is raised over. So the ball rolls underneath the net. And yeah, we hit it from one end to the other until it rolls off, basically. I, I see. I see. So have you have you competed in blind table tennis? Yes, I've competed in Swish. Uh, I have never won anything, I think. And once, maybe twice, I've come in the, like, semifinals. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I've never won anything. I'm not that good. Um, I like just playing for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And if so happens that I end up going in a tournament because they need extra numbers or because I'm not busy that weekend, I'll go. But yeah, I like just playing for, for something to do, really. That's excellent. So good. So good. So now why do they call it Swish? That's, that's, a, very, Be- that's a great name for us, but why do they call it Swish? Because we have a wooden bat um, and we have a wooden table. And you're supposed to sort of push the bat along the table to hit the ball. And the noise that the bat makes along the tabletop as you're going for the ball is a swish noise. I, I see. I see. Mm. So, yeah, that's so that's a modified version of table tennis. Yes. De- definite. Yep. So definitely there's a modification. That's yep. that's very interesting. Sure. Sure. Yep. So what are your... Um, I mean, what are your future plans for your channel? Have you thought about getting into podcasting at all? Um, I I think for me, the YouTube medium is probably the best uh, mm-hmm. because if I was podcasting, I'd just sit there and I'd be like, uh, um, uh, what do I talk about now? Um, but with doing videos, I can... You know, I can show people and I, I love doing like vlogging when I go traveling or, you know, just um, one of my most popular videos is when I do, you know, guide dog um, videos. So uh, like, you know, guide dog adventures to the fruit shop, um, totally blind person traveling on public transport with their guide dog, all of that kind of stuff is sort of my most popular so that's what I really like doing um, is all those sort of guide dog um, out about out and about sort of vlogs. Um, so as for what is next with the channel, I don't really know. Um, I don't like making plans. Uh, I've just uh, yesterday's video was um, about crossing roads with a guide dog versus a long cane. So that mm-hmm. was. Um, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, I definitely will be filming um, over, you know, when I go on on trips, places. 
Um, next week I'm going with my mum to a, um, we have a sort of like a retirement home for um, ex-racehorses, you know, for champion ex-racehorses that have been retired. Um, so I don't know whether you've heard of the Melbourne Cup, which is our big, huge horse race every year. Um, so this place have Melbourne Cup winners um, there and we're doing a tour of that next week and so you get to meet all these racehorses that have won really prestigious races in Australia and you get to pat them and everything. So I'm going to do a video about that. Um, and I just try and do videos about living independently as someone who is blind uh, and, you know, how I go about that. I have no help with my channel and I have very little help around the house. I'm living with my parents at the moment um, for financial reasons. So, um, yeah, I, I try and show that uh, people who are blind or have low vision don't need to, you know, can, can become independent uh, if they, you know, if they wish to. And so I try and show, you know, some things around the house, what, um, how people can do that kind of stuff and, you know, independent mobility and, and holidays and stuff like that. So, yeah. Really excellent. Well, you know, if you record your videos, I guess, through Zoom, you can just take the audio and then you, it just turns itself into a podcast. But I do see what you're saying. It can be hard when you're starting out mm. in podcasting to know what you want to talk about and what you want to say but then once you start having conversations with people it starts to get easier and easier mm. so, i've just started um mm. i've started podcasting with victor gobea on whose wine life is it anyway i'm doing a show called mel's travel guide um go, go right i was just great segue so yeah i understand that you you syndicate your your channel your show over to whose blind life is it anyway so definitely promote the show how does that work, by the way? And what is Mel's travel guide? So um, Victor and I meet on StreamYard every, well, for me, Tuesday morning for him, <laughs> Monday evening. Um, and we do an hour um, long show. Um, and it's mainly me talking about some of my experiences that I've had with, um, with different travel adventures that I've been on. Uh, one of the uh, topics I covered this week was I talked about some trips that I went on in 2013. Uh, I did a group trip and then I did an independent trip and I sort of compared the two and talked about, you know, what worked and what didn't and things like that. Um, I've, yeah, so I've been doing that. I think this week was the fifth episode. Uh, so I haven't been doing it for very long, but it's been doing really, really well. I've been really enjoying it. Um, yeah. So, okay. So when, when Who's Blind Life is in any way is live and they're playing Mel's Travel Guide. So in other words, is that actually happening live? The reason I ask is a lot of times YouTube channels will go live with content that they already recorded. Yeah, and most make it seem like a live. So when you're on there, is that actually happening live in time? Yeah, most of them are live to air. Um, this week's episode is going to have to be a pre-record um, for Tuesday the thirtieth. 
aka Monday the 29th um, because I'm going away but most of the time um, this week's was a live um, live live uh, yeah so most of the time they're live Okay, well, very good. And so then how did you come across Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And how did you, you know, make the connection with Victor? Um, so Victor contacted me a couple of months ago and said, you know, I really like your channel. I do this um, podcast. I did an episode of, um, I think he calls it Meet Me mm-hmm. or um, whatever it is. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the show. Um, so I did an episode of that with him and he obviously really liked it or me or both. Um, and he sort of said to me, like, would you be interested in doing um, a, a show on on my network about travel? And I sort of went, oh, yeah, right. Oh, no worries. So, yeah, it just sort of happened, really. And mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, wonderful, Mel. So good. So then if you think that sometimes you struggle to find things to talk about, then do you and Victor decide ahead of time what you're going to talk about on the live or how does that go? Yeah, I try and come up with a topic for the show sort of a couple of days before the show happens. Um, Obviously this week I'm going to have to really think about what I'm talking about because we're recording it on Saturday evening, your time. So have to think about what I'm going to talk about, which I've got no idea yet. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, I come up with a topic for the episode and it just seems to run so far quite smoothly. And sometimes I'm amazed that I come up with something to talk about for an hour, um, but right. it's really good. I've, I would struggle to do it completely on my own because Victor puts in, you know, little, he'll ask a question or, or we just have a chat about stuff. And it's really, really cool. Um, I, I couldn't do it without him because I couldn't just sit there and talk for an hour. I'd sit there and I'd be like, okay, well, um, yeah, that's pretty much um, it. <laughs> I'd be terrible. I see. I see. So what do you think you're going to talk about then this weekend? This week, I still don't know. Well, then, how do, uh, what I'm getting at is here. Then, how do you how do you come to figure it out? Then, if you don't know, how do you figure it out? Oh, the idea just comes to me. Usually, I've usually I just sort of sit back and relax and go, "Oh well, an idea will will appear <laughs> eventually." Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm thinking I might cover cruising um this week because i haven't done i uh, did an episode a couple of weeks ago on booking hotels and and flights and i haven't done anything about booking cruises yet so i'll probably even do that this week i'm not sure yet keep your eye out <laughs> well, okay well that's that's good that's that's really really good yeah and then and then victor turns it into a podcast um, and then that's shared out. So that's, that's a really great thing that, that he's doing. I really, I really celebrate that because he gives a lot mm-hmm. of people a lot of opportunity and that's really important. Mm-hmm. There's just, like you were saying before with the lack of employment and the, all these different, there's just not enough. The trick is there has to be an expectation to employ people, but then there has to be enough 
enough opportunity too. So yeah. Well, Mel, um, I'm sure that you probably have a ton of questions for me. I would like you to ask if you want all of your questions that you have about Aaron Richmond, Aaron's opinion, my philosophy about the universe, you know, any, I'm an overly uh, open person, as you can tell, being a podcaster. So really dig way deep in, you know, in, from the bottom of your heart. What do you want to ask? No, no. <laughs> I don't really know. I, I'm not used to um, being the interviewee. I'm usually interviewer rather i'm usually the interviewee so here wait pause here pause here let me let me tell you a funny story okay so so we'll take some coffee see see kind of it kind of takes practice it, it, it takes practice asking the questions so mm, mm -hmm. mm, oh coffee, coffee works all the time okay, you're making great. me jealous no oh, you can drink coffee i'm not stopping you, but <laughs> um would you believe it if i told you that although I might be a little confused about cricket, I do know what Vegemite is, and I've had it before, and I love Yay! it. Yay! Do you like it? Yeah. It's, you do. It's so good. You it's eat so that good. stuff. Yeah, I would eat that stuff with, with a nice cold beer, obviously not watching cricket, but watching football or, you know, the World Cup or something like that, you know. That, well, you that, know, mm -hmm. you know that Vegemite is a yeast byproduct of making beer, which is why it would probably, in my mind, it would taste so good with beer. So, yes, I don't mm -hmm. know. I've never because Vegemite is like a something you put on toast, right? So you well, have that at breakfast time. So, so I only I only had it one time when I was much younger. So I only had it one time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you would have Vegemite on toast. Mm -hmm. and you would probably have your morning cup of tea, coffee, whatever, with it. I, I, I don't know anyone who's had it with beer, but it's certainly worth try, trying. Like, to spread the Vegemite on the crackers and then have like, um, uh, yeah, do you know what I mean? How like in, in this, well, I don't know. In America, we have these little biscuit things that we'll eat yeah. like at parties and um, yeah. So I would put Vegemite on crackers and then wash it down with some cold beer. That would be really good. Yeah, we we have um, we have these square biscuits and they're called saladas and they're just like big, plain, pretty boring mm -hmm. things on their own. And I like to put cheese on them because um, they're about the same size as a as a slice of, you know, square slice of cheese that you get from the supermarket. So good. So and good. so you have a slice of cheese on them or yeah, you spread Vegemite on them. Um, so yeah, you, you can also spread, I know people who spread Vegemite on their wheat bix, um, which is a bit interesting. I've never and done what, that what's myself. That? that was definitely, a, that was definitely an, an Australian word. They spread their Vegemite on their what? Their wheat bix. What's that? I don't know that word. So What's that? They are, Wheat Bix are a breakfast cereal. Ooh, I was afraid there's... of that. Ooh. No, Vegemite would not go good in cereal. No. <laughs> so they're like a wheaty breakfast cereal. I don't know anything that they would be like. They're very nice. Um, and there's this, back to cricket, um, there's this <laughs> ad on the, on the television about um, wheat bix 
and it's all the Aussie cricket team is like, how many wheat big do you do, you know, in the morning? And it's like, oh, I have nine wheat bigs, and oh, I have eight wheat bigs. And um, so they're probably about the size of a computer mouse. Um, two, two wheat bigs would be a computer mouse wide and a tiny bit longer than a computer mouse. So I only do two <laughs> myself in the mornings. But uh, yes, they are very nice. I, um, a lot of people will have them with sugar um, because Ooh. they're not a very sweet thing. So you would have them, um, you put milk on them and then you would have them with sugar. What I do is I put milk on them and then I microwave them for one minute so they go really warm and soggy because they're quite a, when you get them out of the packet, they're, you know, quite a dry, solid it's like a Little biscuit. Thing. Like a, that reminds me of like a breakfast biscuit, like a hard yeah. crunchy biscuit. So actually, as a matter of fact, I'm doing a day in the life vlog today and I actually had wheat bix for breakfast this morning. So if people watch my, probably the next video that comes out on my channel, um, you will get to see what wheat bix look like, which obviously, unfortunately, doesn't help my blind viewers, but I think hope <laughs> i hope you guys can understand my terrible description of them but yes they're very nice they're probably mm -hmm. they're probably about two inches by three inches mm. and they're about half an inch thick they're very nice and you I can see. get different flavors yeah it's a breakfast biscuit yeah we have things yeah. similar to that in the states yeah yes mm -hmm. we have some really interesting food here we have some very yeah you food. do you definitely do um okay back back to you i'm still counting on you a tiny bit to ask some burning questions because guests always have a lot of great questions for me so i don't i'm a terrible guest <laughs> oh, that is fine that is fine yeah i mean i like nah i yes. don't i don't have any <laughs> oh i thought you i thought a question was brewing there for for nah Nah. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Does um now does Victor know what Vegemite is? I don't know. We've never had the discussion about Vegemite. Well, I declare that you must have the discussion about Vegemite. The next time you speak, we should. You must. The next time you go on to his his live stream, don't don't warn him ahead of time, or else he'll do research. Just start talking about it, whether he wants you to talk about it or not. Because I said so. I just want to see what's going to happen. I, I, I should have um, actually mentioned Vegemite in my last episode because I was talking about a trip to Japan that I went on to mm -hmm. the tennis trip. And um, I, while I was in Japan, uh, the guys were teasing me about the fact that I was like, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to have for breakfast in Japan because I, at the time, I always had two slices of white toast with butter and Vegemite. And I was like, oh, I don't know about what I'm going to have in Japan because they're not going to have breakfast in Japan. And we got, um, when they're not going to have Vegemite. And we went in, we were invited to the Australian ambassador um, to Japan's wow. um, place for RPT. Are you kidding and me? That's better material than, that's better material than any. So you actually met the Australian ambassador to Japan. Yes. And we had afternoon tea in his 
formal sort of room and I got to play his baby grand piano and someone told yeah and someone told him about my need for um, (laughs) Vegemite and so he walks over to me and he goes oh you're Mel aren't you yes sir and I'm sort of you know sir and Everything you guys are. All oh. nervous because you're basically in the ambassador's house of a foreign country. You're in. You're, yes. Exactly. And so I'm like, oh, yes, sir. And he's the highest diplomat I've ever met. And um, he goes, oh, I've got something for you to have a sniff of. So he he puts this thing under my nose and I went, oh, my God, that is Vegemite. That is so good. And he goes, oh, I heard you might be missing it. So he handed me this big 700 gram jar of vegetable. <laughs> and it was un it was unsealed. It was, you know, it was um not unsealed, it was un unopened, so it was still sealed. And he also gave me a handful of the little, you know, like um in the motel you have those really little tiny sachets of um I don't know if you do in America, but you have these really little tiny you know, one slice sachets of butter or whatever. And so he handed me a handful of those and then she went, and he's like, there you go, enjoy it. Oh my gosh. So I love should... it. So I have a huge sense, I have a huge sense of humor. And oh. it's all very humorous to me because I, I actually studied international affairs and I know what diplomats do. So it's just the irony of, oh, you went over to the diplomat's house. Yeah, I came into his house and all they gave was butter and Vegemite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it was this, so funny. That is just, that is the coolest story. That is just, that is hysterical. Yeah, that, we, we had, um, we had a great trip. And if I, I did not open that big jar of Vegemite. I used a couple of my little ones. Um, but I didn't open the big jar of Vegemite and I ended up bringing it home and someone actually told me it it actually had Japanese writing all that's, of the that's cool all of all of the sort of writing on the on the jar about the nutritional information and blah 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 all of that was actually in Japanese and I ended up using the jar of Vegemite but I haven't thrown it away I washed it out really thoroughly and it's still sitting in a cardboard box in the in the garage at the moment so wait wait wait, 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 wait. okay okay so you go over to the ambassador's house in japan he gives you butter he gives you vegemite you take it home you eventually eat it and all you can do with that jar is put it in your garage (laughs) well i'm sort of in well i'm kind of in between houses at the moment because i was i I don't know if there's an i don't know if there's room for an excuse about that an ambassador gives you something you gotta oh i don't have anywhere appropriate to put it here well well, hopefully the ambassador's not listening he might not ever give (laughs) i I can't even remember the guy's name well well you shouldn't okay don't say that out loud Gosh, well, what if there's someone else? Who, so, what if some other little blind kid shows up at his house? Excuse me, Ambassador, can I have some Vegemite? No, you see, I gave it to some lady named Mel, and she threw the garage, she threw the jar in the garage, and forgot my name. No. Uh, oh gosh, it was, it was awesome. It that's was so funny. that's a cool story. That's a story that you'll never. That's a story forever. And yeah. now that you're on Aaron's opinion, it's definitely a story forever. 
Um, did, did you tell Victor that story? No, I didn't. What have you I told haven't. Victor? It seems like you're very shy. The more I talk to you, I'm getting you to come out of your shell a little bit, but you seem, you seem kind of shy, you know? Well, I mean, I try and, I try and be really careful of what I put out there because, you know, especially in the blindness community, yeah. Lord only knows what you're going to say and it's going to come back to bite you. And right. I have had that happen. I have had people, okay. you know, even before I started doing YouTube, I've had people be rude and, and mm -hmm. you know, sort of, mm -hmm. you know, come and get me for my opinion and, right. and stuff right. like that. So I'm, I'm, I try and be as, as authentic as I can, but also as private as I can, because I don't, you know, I don't want everything out there. I don't mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. that's necessary. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, we're actually, we're actually over time. You did, you know, for someone who was so, so kind and so great and so private and a little bit shy, you did a magnificent episode. Well, <laughs> Mel, I would ask you at the end of every episode, you did, you did so well, of course, this is totally, this is absolutely amazing. And that story, uh, I mean, I can see why you're so private. If I forgot an ambassador's name and put, and put some, put a jar in a garage, I, I'd forget to, but, <laughs> but. Anyway, anyway, we will this, you know, these types of things, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this story. But of course, if you can ask me only one question to see if I'm really worth my salt as a podcaster, I ask every guest this, what question do you want to ask? Do you still have no questions or have you managed to have you have has a has a question popped up out of thin air for you? No, nope. <laughs> no, no. Uh, do you do you sing? I do sing, yes. I yes. Because every international guest from all over the world, I always give them this this choice, and you do not have to, of course. But do you want to end end this amazing episode by singing the beautiful Australian national anthem? Oh, it it, it may be out of key, but I'll give it a go. So thanks so much, everybody. But before you sing it, if someone wants to connect with you, Mel, or find your channel, how can they do it? Go ahead and and explain that. Yep. Okay, so I am at Mel's Blind Life on Instagram, Mel's Blind Life on Facebook. Also on Facebook and Instagram is um, Guide Dog Penelope, um, who is my guide dog. Um, yes, Facebook and Instagram, um, Mel's Blind Life, Guide Dog Penelope. YouTube is Mel's Blind Life as well. And all of my links are usually in the description of my videos um, for my Instagram and my Facebook. Uh, I also have a WordPress blog, which I can't remember the URL for, um, but it's always linked in the, in the description. And of course, um, my guide dog, um, Penelope, her information is also linked in the description of my videos as well. Awesome. Lovely. Well, click the link in the description. I'll get that information, that link from you later. But of course, yep. thanks so much, Mel. And then why don't you just carry us out of here with your beautiful anthem. Go right ahead. <clears throat> Australians, let us all rejoice for we are young and free with golden soil and wealth for toil. Our home is good by sea. Our land abounds in nature's gifts of beauty, rich and rare. In here 
history stage, let every stage advance Australia fair. In joyful strains and let us sing, advance Australia fair. Hello, I'm Philip Anderson from Against the Odds, the human interest by a monthly motivational podcast which celebrates the lives of those who have conquered in the face of adversity. For more ways to listen and to request to be a guest, visit www.againsttheoddspodcast.com. You've been listening to I Put My Finger in Mel's Dinner right here on Life Improvement Radio or wherever else you get a podcast along with watching us on YouTube. Mel, you did an outstanding job and I really enjoyed recording that episode with all of the great knowledge that you bring and all of the great laughs we had. That was that was so fun. That was such a great episode. It really was. Um, and I really hope that more and more people from Australia all the way down under find out about Aaron's opinion. And I hope that more and more people in Australia find out about Mel's Blind Life. You're doing uh, great work, and I wish you the very best of success in everything you do down there. So, yeah, keep up your great work. <clears throat> As I like to say at the beginning of each episode, uh, the telephone number again to join the public WhatsApp group, one two four zero six eight one nine eight six nine or aaronsopinion6 at gmail.com, A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com, Follow on Instagram, follow on uh, Facebook. Um, I do not, correction right there, I do not have Instagram. So you cannot follow on Instagram because I do not have one. Let me, let me explain that again. Follow on Twitter, follow on Facebook, comment below on YouTube, okay? And uh, don't forget to let me know what you think uh, of the episode. As always, I also want to take this time to thank all of the listeners uh, from all over the world, all four corners of the globe, even and including the land down under. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you to the Helium Radio Network for syndicating our podcast every every week. I really appreciate that too. And keep up your great work, everybody, from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere, wherever you are in the world. Keep up your great podcasting and keep up your great work from all over the world. All right, stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And as I like to say here at Aaron's Opinion, Help one person today, help a million people tomorrow. Aaron Richmond, Aaron's Opinion on Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network.